Good morning, wonderful people. Welcome to my channel. We are now doing Rahu and Ketu part 24. And now we are sticking this head of the demon called Rahu into Mrikshisha nakshatra. Now Mrikshisha you got to understand falls in two signs. half in gemini and half in taurus so we are talking on the opposite side ketu will fall between sagittarius and scorpio so the right there ketu is transiting from a water sign from a fire sign to a water sign remember the gandanta point right ketu is undergoing transformation something from the past life is being solved the karma is being solved by ketu in these axes So when Rahu falls in Brikshisha, you should be knowing that this person is undergoing a solving of the karmic path from past life. Okay. So what does Brikshisha nakshatra mean? Okay. It's the fifth nakshatra. Let's just go through the themes. And one of the themes, just a personal note, one of the things that Rahu represents is a hunter. Even Ketu is a hunter. but different kinds of hunting one is a hunter for identity ketu seeker's path and one is a hunter for materialistic pursuits desires obsessions compulsions that kind of a thing yeah so both do hunt but in different ways for different things and nowhere is this more apparent than rahu in mrigshisha nakshatra and going from mula to jeshta Sagittarius to Scorpio. So, what does Mrikshisha represent? It is flexible, joyous, gentle, charming. These are gentle nakshatra. Mrikshisha is a devgana and extremely gentle in nature. This is where I find it a little difficult when people say these Mrikshisha people are timid people. Why is sensitivity timidness in this world now? Have we lost so much that become so dense that we just think that a person who is just thumping and going and saying machoism is a sense is a is the alpha guy or a woman what's with this why have we lost the sensitivity got to ask that question right <clears throat> so mrikshisha means the head of a deer so it's already hunting and rahu is also hunting and so is ketu hunting everybody is a hunter so it's hunting for different things what is it hunting for it can be fixated it can be extremely self indulgent forest and nature can be coming rikshisha means the head of a deer like the deer is constantly but softly searching they can be searching for what continuous calling in relationship relationships in spirituality in profession in partners in knowledge in going overboard they have suspicious nature again cowardly defensive and hiding because they are sensitive they tend to be softer and introvert people in nature now you put rahu inside and it amplifies this particular hunt hunt search for calling yeah and it does so in two ways it does so through taurus means it search for materialistic stuff or if it falls in gemini half it will search for meanings of stuff gemini is more of a mental thing right so let us examine the four padas So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu, as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, what is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon, formed by the virtual points, which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the Earth and orbit of the Earth around the Sun. So basically, if you take two eclipses, ellipses. 
it will form two intersection points yeah so these two intersection points are called the north node and the south node they are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute so who is rahu the symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe right this is typically how it is portrayed in western astrology so i'm using the same symbol here Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severe head of a demon symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical, yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay, so it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing since it has no arms or body or stomach right? just a head which is alive this gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits so think any earth sign for example they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after Rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything this is an energy in us by the way it is not a planet it's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why so it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something it wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next this is why Varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There's always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant and less insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this, it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything, but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp on to everything, thinking, oh, I want this, or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situation, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as Mokshakaraka or the seeker's path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the Moksha Karaka. Now, this is the classical interpretation. Okay. Now, we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now, here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert Sowell. Excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. Okay. The North Node of the Moon, Rahu. What does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts? What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. 
Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay? Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things. Looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion and delusion. This is the downside. Now how this plays out and why we will have to see individually in the charts. We shall see that. Okay. Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis, okay? 180 degrees apart. And it can play out in any one of the opposite houses. It can play out in 1, 7, 2, 8, 3, 9, 4, 10, etc, etc. We will see that later. But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life, in your different houses, are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see. Okay, to stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house, it detaches itself from the eighth house. If Rahu is in second house, it, Ketu will be in the eighth house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here, second house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually so they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in suppose mercury is in the third house okay and rahu sits in the house of mercury somewhere else so it will borrow the attributes of mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever rahu is sitting in got it Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, 
individually they take on the shade of personality nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality it's coloring of a personality it's seeing the world through different colored glasses that they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities so rahu and ketu do two things at the same time at the solar level it goes with the dispositor that is all of the planets physical planets mercury mars venus sun moon so on so they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting if it sits in rahu sits in cancer it will you have to look for where moon is sitting which house and what it is doing there and even the moon nakshatra if it is sitting in leo rahu in leo that means it you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house so it will bring those attributes that's the way you have to analyze this okay let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why now there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating rahu and ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self development to understand where they are coming from if you're not interested in changing yourself this entire channel is useless for you but if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life where do i need to go what are my talents and you question these kinds of things excuse the noise somebody is drilling about so then you need to understand these aspects now that's the typical chart indian chart and house numbers are depicted as 1 2 3 4 up till 12 dharmartha kama moksha is there and i have stuck rahu ketu as possible axis on the 17 that is aries and libra that is the top and the bottom so either it can go to house number 1 or 7 rahu ketu can be reversed it's okay it doesn't matter or in 4 and 10 now 1 4 7 and 10 in vedic astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are that define how you operate in life throughout life So these become crucial. Why the one seven axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on your self and other concept. One and seven is self and other. How you re- relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others, including the spouse, because seventh house is the house of the spouse, but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. One seven axis of Rahu Ketu. The four ten on the other hand, fourth house being the house of the mother, tenth being father, fourth being home, tenth being career. You see, this has a you know all kinds of implications, which define who you are. The four ten axis has effects on the heart versus mind. Mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and. being used in the career right you dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world heart is your home your home center where you feel comfortable home is where the heart is that kind of a thing so heart and home is affected by this rahu ketu axis again rahu and ketu might be reversed rahu might be in the fourth ketu might be in the 10th or vice versa same way with 1 and 7 but these are the vital relating aspects of rahu and ketu Now what about the rest of the houses? Now rest of the houses are called trikona or kona in Sanskrit, right? These are the things that come and go in your life. They let be second house, third house, fifth house, sixth, eighth, ninth, eleventh, twelfth. These are the things that come and go in our life through life, through your entire life. These are things that are added into, subtracted from us. But this is not us. 
147 and 10 is us. Everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes. All other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life. That's all it is. They are less significant in terms of Rahu and Ketu when compared to 174 and 10 axes of Rahu and Ketu. Please remember this. When you're evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction. And they stand opposite to each other all this. Right? Now let's take the cases one by one. So here we are starting in the fourth pada of Mrigshi Ranakshatra. And we can see the Rahu Ketu axis there in yellow. And here this is Rahu that is Ketu. Okay. So now we are talking essentially about Gemini and Sagittarius. So the dispositor being Mercury and Jupiter. So we are talking about the teacher-student dynamic. We are talking about one who knows the wisdom and one who wants to bring it in intellectual form. Now the Rahu in natal is sitting in Gemini, in Mrikshesha. So it is hunting. It is hunting for meaning. It is mental in nature. In these last two padas of Mrikshesha, it is hunting for mental meaning. But later it might transit and towards the spouse, it may be something going into deeper meaning for emotional content. Scorpio is emotional content. Going deep inside and examining the subconscious, psychic nature, etc. So Rahu becomes like that later on. On the other side, it goes into the Artha Sagittarius, Jupiter, going into Taurus, right? And in Mula, now in Mula, it wants to hunt for, Ketu wants to search for the deepest possible meanings. The deepest possible meanings. It wants to go to the root, uncover all the lies. So this Mula to Mrikshisha Nakshatra is a hunter. Is a hunter for essentially the wisdom of what it is I am looking for in terms of materialistic gain. If I am looking for a million dollars or a million dirhams or a million whatever, you know, buy a ranch, what is the essence of that? What am I really looking for? It searches for the meaning. And Rahu, on the other hand, knows what it is looking for at an intellectual level. So that wisdom needs to come from the Ketu, both in natal and Navamsha, but more natal. And then it wants to integrate that in intellectual pursuits. So these people might be highly intellectual in nature, trying to uncover stuff, right? We will examine the professions later on in another series. I'll expand on the career part of it later. And there we will see more. But that's the basic energy, okay? That's what happens in the fourth pada. And Ketu, as you can see on the other side, is going through the Gandanta, the transit point between the fire sign Sagittarius and Scorpio. Okay? That's a transformational point of past life. In the third pada, now we are talking about the Dharma Kama axis, going from Gemini to Libra in Navamsha, where Rahu is sitting. And on the other side, it's going from Sagittarius to Aries. So we are talking about essentially transit from air to fire sign and fire to air sign. The Ketu transits from fire to air sign and um, Rahu transits from air to, air to air sign. Sorry, fire to fire sign and air to air sign. What am I thinking? Okay, so this means there's a lot of air energy for Rahu to move in 
explore 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 intellectual very intellectual very research like scientist like want to investigate stuff maybe relating to real life stuff maybe relating to spiritual stuff maybe relating to anything maybe relating to even relationships but relationships i think would be more in the first two padas of mrigshesha because we are talking on the other side of mula mula wants to get to the root ketu does very well in mula right so it wants to search for the root of my passion why am i searching for what i am searching that's the key word that's the key line over here in this axis in this particular axis okay so that's what it does over here what happens in the second pada because now we are going into taurus and taurus is a materialistic person is a lustful person okay so let's see what happens there so in the second pada over here rahu sits in taurus now it has transited to taurus in natal namamsha okay so rahu does extremely well in this first two padas because it is a materialistic sign and rahu is a bhoga karaka he is a materialist he wants stuff he wants relationships he wants sex he wants good stuff cars he wants land he wants money so taurus he does well okay it expands that area but in order to help this rahu achieve what he wants to do we need to see little hints like it goes from taurus to leo in namamsha and taurus to virgo we are talking about this axis now taurus to virgo and moksha is where it gets it from scorpio water sign going into another exalted water sign so scorpio is transforming into a higher form of water sign in moksha pada so this ketu is quite intense but it's in jeshtha it has come to the scorpio now so this jeshtha is what is the theme of jeshtha is the insecure king it's like the one who is always feeling in- inferior the curse of the elder one the elder one always feels inferior why am i not getting the love of parents why am i why is my younger sibling doing better than me why is that person having more money than me or better relationship than me jealousy themes of jealousy are very prominent in jeshtha but here they are kind of having this at a subconscious level but they are not able to provide that fuel to this taurus so they are constantly i would guess this particular axis will have the tussle of searching for deeper meaning is what rahu is sitting in nagashesha rulers venus so it is searching for that materialistic gain wherever venus is sitting in and on this side of things it is looking for it is being haunted by fears of what will happen if i don't accomplish it so it needs to get over its insecurities this ketu needs to get over its insecurities in order to fuel that rahu which wants to go out and do and get stuff okay that's what happens here let's see the first one now it's in the same one taurus itself but we're changing slightly the energy it's going from leo to aquarius so let's see that right so the first pad of mrigshesha is taurus to leo or to fire sign and the ketu side over here it is scorpio to uh, sorry scorpio scorpio to aquarius so is water to air and earth to fire so it's kind of a weird combination but let's just look at venus and scorpio mars 
So it's a tussle between Venus and Mars, essentially speaking. And we are still in Scorpio and Jeshta, so there's still that insecurity. But since it's in Kama, this will have more desire to sort of feel jealous. There's a more jealousy theme here. Scorpio being intensely jealous in this particular one. But later on in life, when it goes to Aquarius, it might become more of a mental sign. Let me do these things for others. Detachment from others and wanting to do for myself, fame for myself, Leo Aquarius access. I want things for myself. Rahu in Leo does very well because it wants the ego. It wants to feel something like I am matter. I am somebody. Okay. I am not a nobody. This is what Rahu thinks in Leo. So you got to see this positive sun where it is sitting. Okay. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the brief one about Mrikshesha. Next, we shall discuss Rohini, the nakshatra of Krishna. Let's discuss Rohini, Rahu, and place him and see where it does. Okay. Next, we're almost about to finish. Then we are in Kritika and Bharani, and then we are done. We'll go to the conclusive notes. Take care, be safe.